0: I like any kind of steak, I and mean, if you take a look at me, uh, you can tell I, I like eating. So <laughs> it's, I am I am not a person. I I, I'm, I am actually not a gourmet. I am much more of the gourmand. I'm just like. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of The Cloud Whisperers. I'm David Broussard.
1: And I am Brian Cheatham.
0: Welcome, Brian. This is episode 21 of The Cloud Are We are now theoretically legal to drink inside of this episode now because we're 21, right? That's right.
1: Yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. I, I, I might be drinking already. I don't know. Uh, I
0: might have been drinking already. Well, who knows <laughs> at this point in time?
1: <laughs> so, other other than getting schnookered
0: uh, before we do a podcast, uh, yeah. what have you been up to lately, Brian?
1: Well, you know, it's uh, you know, when I'm not drinking, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've I've had the challenge lately of of multiple Office 365 accounts and having to manage multiple calendars. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got my Git Cloud Savvy um, right. calendar. Um, that's most of my entrepreneurial type of uh, activities. Mm-hmm. And then I have, you know, the the subcontracting work that I'm doing for, for Quest, which is migration in nature and all of that. And, mm-hmm. and Halcyon is the name of the kind of the, the company I'm working through. So there's, three Office 365 calendars that I have. Mm-hmm. And the the challenge that I've had recently is that I it's hard for me to manually keep up with those events, right? I can add all of those accounts into Outlook. Right. I can right. add them all into Outlook and right. I can do the side by side view with the calendar or I can do the overlay, which I really love. Yep. I've always loved yep. that. Um, but when it comes to booking something on my calendar, I want to make sure that it's blocked off on the other calendars. So I you know, broke out the Visual Studio code again, in, uh, Python <laughs> and Python, and started playing with the Graph API, and I have so far gotten, I have the ability to read in all of the entries from the three different calendars into an object, and now what I'm doing is I'm just kind of parsing through those, right? I'm going through mm-hmm. those and I'm figuring out, you know, where I need to create something. And, you mean, there's a lot of things that go into those determinations when you're coding. Uh, one of them is, hey, is this a recurring meeting? Right. right? It's a recurring meeting, you know? You've got to know it's a recurring meeting and you've got to be able to, to, to block that time off. But ultimately, the goal is, right, to have something that I can run that it's in the background on a regular basis, and not have to pay seven, you know, five to seven dollars a month to somebody else that already has something that probably works a lot better than what I'm developing. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, at least I get. But by the way, <laughs>
0: that's seven dollars a month. That you well, that actually though it adds up. You think about it; that's eighty four dollars a year.
1: That's right. Plus yeah. tax, and and really that does start up. to add up after a
0: while. And you know, hey, yeah. how much is your time worth?
1: Exactly, exactly. And you know, it's <laughs> it's it's a, uh, it's it, you know it's kind of the the topic that you guys have this week too with having a central point for documentation and all that so even doing all of this in visual studio code i still have a repository of github so every time i start one of these new mm-hmm. projects right um uh, or repositories i guess is a, is the right uh, word to use it's like you you've, you've I think just by osmosis, you've converted me into a developer somehow or another. I don't know how this has worked out. <laughs> I love it. Um, but but yeah, purpose. so I mean, I create those repositories and then I check in all the code. So the stuff is out there for these things that I'm working on. So every project that, that I start working on, I put the stuff out there. You know, who knows? Eventually somebody might say, hey, look, I could really use something like that. And, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. um, I've been a migration consultant, as you know, for a long time. Yep, uh, I know the ins and outs of and the of, limitations. is a but... very good one. <laughs> well, don't, don't spread that word, please. No. <laughs> you're, you're trying to, you're trying to get out of
0: that now, right? Yeah.
1: I'm trying to like, uh, <laughs> trying to shake that whole thing. It's like, you know, that the, 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 the monkey on the back or whatever, you know, so get rid of that. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I've been up to, man. And, um, uh, of course I've been doing migration work and all that on the side too. Um, but ultimately, I'm trying to get to a point to where um, I have my own training business, and that's really where I want to be. You know, I mean, I want to be doing things like this. I want to be, you know, evangelizing, you know, sure. Office 365 and Azure AD and Microsoft Cloud and all that kind of stuff. So, well, that's cool. So, I'm, I'm really glad yeah. to hear that. So uh,
0: this uh, last week uh, on the 30th, uh, I was actually uh, involved in the, the Secure Workforce Summit that uh, Catapult put on. Yeah. And uh, I gave a presentation on uh, how to give effective meetings, which was actually an awful lot of fun. And as soon as I've got the video for that, I'll be posting that up so that people can go ahead and observe it. It's um, It was it was really a great experience. And, and we had um, a whole bunch of people show up and, you know, really one of the things that I would point out that we learned about this and, and I pointed out to people is, you know, running meetings doesn't really matter. We're talking about technology, right? Whether it's a virtual meeting or an in-person meeting, there are certain yeah. things that you got to do, right? Start on time, stop on time, take yep. notes, share them afterwards, make sure you have action items. There's just a bunch of, of of things that we all know we should do, but then we don't. And then we're sitting there afterwards going, man, that meeting should have been an email,
1: right
0: yeah. and so yeah. well anyway all right so today we have a special treat for the listeners of the cloud whispers we have david warner and hugo bernier who are part of the sharing is caring initiative and we're going to talk to them about now, that standing. initiative and what they're doing welcome gentlemen how are you guys doing today
2: doing well thank you i am right. wonderful thank you
0: well I'm, I'm i'm glad to see the two of you guys and uh, you know um David is a co-worker of mine at Catapult, and he has been preaching to me about sharing his caring for a long time. And I actually, you know, finally I said, OK, I, I've got to go do this thing that he's been talking about. And uh, just I to
3: shut him up at the very least. J- right?
0: Exactly. <laughs> just just to, to, to make you get off my back about this. Right. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, you know, I, I, I've i gotten involved in this. And now the, the bug has really bit me uh, to, to get involved in the kind of stuff that you guys are are, are, are talking about. So let me ask you guys first to introduce yourselves. Uh, Hugo, why don't you go first and tell us just a little bit about yourself?
2: Uh, well, my name is Hugo Bernier. I've been uh, working in ID for over 40 years and I started working with SharePoint uh, well before it was called SharePoint. So over 20 years ago, it was called Tahoe. Uh, Tahoe. That's why my blog is called Tahoe Ninjas. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, I'm a former McKinsey and Company uh, consultant. So I, you know, I used to be that IT guy that if you didn't know what I was talking about, you were wasting my time. And uh, then I, 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 learned to be a management consultant and help to be nice to people when I was talking to them, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, and so now that's kind of what I do. Is I'm an independent consultant and uh, I help, uh, I help deliver projects usually that have to do with Microsoft 365, SharePoint, or Dynamics, mm-hmm. and it's usually projects that have failed two or three times before um, I get to go in and I'm kind of like the cleaner. That's been mm. and, and I'm also. Uh,
0: do, do, do you have the white jumpsuit when you come in?
2: <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Awesome. Uh, and I'm also a member of the, p, the patterns in practices team, uh, what we call the p p team.
0: Cool, cool. Mr. Warner, how about yourself?
3: Hello everybody, Uh, my name is David Warner. I work for Catapult Systems. uh, As Dave Broussard had mentioned, we work together. I live in Los Angeles, California. Um, I too have been working with SharePoint for longer than I think I can even remember back in the 2007 days. It had already originally been, or officially been SharePoint at that point. Uh, but I'm an MVP member of the PNP team as well. I'm hugely passionate about sports uh, as well as the community. So if you ever see me in any uh, webinars or video webinars, you'll, you'll see me with a lot of crossover helmets behind me, football and hockey, uh, crossing over to to Microsoft. So I like to get creative there. Um, Humans of IT ambassador for 2021. Uh, I'm, I'm really big on making personal connections in the community and believe that our interests and our personal uh, interests and and you know, our tech loves and all that kind of bleed over into our personal life. And that's really what makes up our, our, uh, our personality. So love to collaborate with the community um, and looking forward to talking more here today with you, gentlemen.
2: And I can't stand people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that makes for a good pairing with you too. So, so, so that actually leads to like one of the most important questions, right? So this whole sharing is caring initiative, where did you come up with this idea? How did this whole thing get started?
3: Uh, Hugo told me he hated me, and I said I'm going to change that <laughs> forever. <laughs> no, no, it uh, it actually started uh, as just kind of an idea back at the SharePoint conference in I guess it was 2019. Um, I was in a PNP um, session with Vesa. And he was talking about how we are an open source community. We are an inclusive community. We, we love contributors. We want people to feel like they can contribute. Uh, but he understood that it was kind of, there's some hurdles around it. Some of it's fear, some of it's GitHub. Um, some of it's just the unknown, right? It's, it's a combination of both, fear of GitHub or fear of do I have a place here? Will I be ridiculed if I make a mistake, et cetera. And so after that session, he and I were sitting next to each other and I said, I got an idea what would you think if I threw out to the Twitters first, right? The offer to walk people through one-on-one their very first contribution. And he's like, I love it. Let's try it out. So I tweeted it. He retweeted it. We got some people to sign up. Um, and, and, you know, I would schedule with them one-on-one any time of the day. Right. So I did a lot of very early mornings, weekends, whatever was good for the person that wanted to get involved, but it wasn't scalable uh because you're talking about a one-on-one initiative there um at the same time we didn't have a dedicated sharing is caring repo sandbox to be able to do a lot of this safe space uh contribution uh mock-ups if you will like we do in the uh sessions and and so i would have to go scour all of the docs and find misspellings grammar issues Right. And I would catalog those so that each time someone came in and said, hey, I'd like to go ahead and learn how to do this, um, then I would have something ready for them. And so after, I don't know, two or three dozen, I think, uh, um, sessions like that one on one, I went back to Vess and said, OK, I think that the the experiment has proven successful let's take this to the next step. What if we had a dedicated resource that kind of is a safe space where we can emulate these scenarios like misspelled words like we do in the first time contributors or incorrect casing, et cetera, or emulate community docs or SharePoint framework web parts, et cetera. And he said, that's great, let's do it. Then we can actually scale at that point because we're going to have sessions with multiple people joining. We can pre-create the assets in advance for them. And it's turned into what we know today, which is, multiple sessions multiple days multiple times uh, and and really a very positive uh, opportunity for for those who are looking to get involved whether whether they're just looking for some guidance on the technical side of it whether they're looking for the confidence that comes with yes this is your place to make changes um, and make improvements or a combination of all of the above uh, it's it's uh it and it continues to grow from there
0: all right so now david i see where you got this idea from and this this is so very david warner and the david warner that i've (laughs) known for years working to him who will just take something on and go after it like a pit bull terrier um and and make sure that this thing happens hugo how did you get involved in this whole thing
2: well um david and i had been doing a few uh presentations together uh you know you you may notice that uh you know, David does a lot of co-presentations and I do the Mm -hmm. same thing. And, um, you know, we do that because sometimes, you know, when you watch a technical presentation and the same person is demoing very boring code, uh, it it can be difficult to stay up to date or not up to date, stay awake. Uh, And so what we do is by by pairing during the, the demonstrations we kind of take over at different points of the, the, the conversation and we wake up people right so if you hear okay. david for a while you fall asleep and then i start talking you're like "Oh, yep. what happened if you go um, <laughs> get <and> tired <laughs> of watching me fall asleep in my own sessions and it's like That's oh right. my god like,
3: i need to help this guy out
2: ah uh, yes, so so need see it's that. A, it's it's a strategy we use for uh for our presentations and uh, we felt that it would be uh, or I think David felt that it would be good to have two people presenting it as sharing his scaring sessions. So he offered me to help. And you know, I'm the world's laziest developer, so I'm always looking for opportunities to to get credits for doing absolutely nothing. And that's exactly <laughs> what I do in the sessions. Yeah, and he's lying at his
3: teeth. It could not be possible without him. and and, and I mean what he does behind the scenes on those sessions is completely and, and utterly priceless because there is a lot that happens in the process of contributing and creating yeah. issues and collaborating with the repos that do make up the Patterns of Practices Initiative. And we, we take what normally would take days or weeks, and we accelerate it in the fashion of, uh, of an hour or an hour and a yeah. half. And, and yeah. it's only possible by way of Hugo's uh, being the partner with me on that. And we have others getting involved as well. Um, Yannick, mm-hmm. who is also on the PNP team, is going to start assisting in some other MPs because we really, we need to scale. Right. We're going to have a lot more sessions than just the three we have now. Um, and so we need to be able to scale and, and uh, ensure that there's availability for everyone around the globe.
2: Yeah, That's I like a- to compare it to the Blue Man group uh, where you know you have the original Blue Man group uh, and then they started hiring other Blue Men to, to do more Blue Men group shows all over the world. Uh, So David and I are at the original Blue Man Group, and we're trying to now uh, hire and train other people to do more sharing and is caring sessions so we can, we can, uh, you know, reproduce or (laughs) uh, not reproduce, uh, (laughs) multiply (laughs) the number of instances that, that we're doing and be able to be more scalable, right, and sustainable.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. So you mentioned, David, that there's three sessions to this process, right? Um, can, can you briefly talk about the three? You said that, that you're currently doing three. Now, I've been to the first-time contributor, right? Mm-hmm. I've been to the the second one. I forget what that one's community called. Community docs. The community yeah. docs one. What's the third one?
3: Sure. So I'll give you a round out from all of them. So the first one That's, is the uh, you know obvious first-time contributor. That is where we explain the process using GitHub. And it, really, the only Requirement at that point is a browser, and everybody has a browser. Sure. Um, while there are other tools for Git for GitHub that are command line, that are desktop, etc., um, really we want to make that barrier for entry as low as possible. And so in these situations, um, you you just need a browser, and that first time contributor shows you how when you go to docs.microsoft.com, and I, you know we'll get some of your feedback since you've done that. We oftentimes think, well, oh, this is official Microsoft documentation. I have to be an employee to make edits mm-hmm. here or improvements or enhance it, et cetera, but you don't have to. And that's what this session shows you is that there are tons of opportunities for uh, adding value, whether it is a misspelling, whether it's a case and correction, whether it's adding sample code or better describing a concept, all of those things are possible and empowering to the community to do. So that's the first time contributor It talks you through that. Uh, community docs is kind of the next in line there because there is a whole community documentation area on docs.microsoft.com dedicated to guidance by the community for the community and these are brand new completely holistic uh documents and and, uh articles etc that go end to end on certain topics and subjects and so you can submit those too but the process is a little more complex so that's kind of the next one
0: gotcha the
3: third session is getting more into the code so One of the things that we've heard uh, as part of the PNP team from the community is that I would love to contribute, but to be honest with you, I I need a little help on even beginning to consume some of the technical uh, resources and tools that are available. So one of those is the SharePoint framework web parts, which uh, Hugo is responsible for owning that repo, and so we'll, we'll likely get into that. But using that has its own barrier, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. I found a sample. How do I download just the sample? Well, I can't, I have to download the whole repo, but I don't want the whole repo. And oh, look, this is an older sample that uses an older version of SharePoint framework, but I'm not using an older version. So how do I do that? So we kind of, um, we walk through the attendees, how they can use a tool called node version manager (NVM), mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. and they can hot swap different versions of node and SharePoint framework, to be able to instantly be compatible with these different versions of the, the samples, so they're they're not held back by uh, going and learning because these these samples are not just for uh, not not just for using for your production, but actually there's a lot to learn by by going and running them. Uh, okay. So that's what that session is on, and then we've got some more coming up on how to upgrade existing samples, re contribute them back. Because that's a whole nother opportunity. Is you can upgrade samples and recontribute them
2: back, and you get credit for that.
3: Hmm. All these things you get credit for as PNP contributors. So,
2: okay, we've we've we'll barely let's... scratched the surface, really. Um, yeah, you know what what we started when we started this, we looked at what are the barriers to people to be successful, right? In either contributing to the community or taking advantage of some of the community resources like in PNP initiatives, like the CLI for Microsoft 365 or you know, web parts extensions and things like that. We took every single one of those barriers and, and we tried to create a session around getting rid of that barrier. You know, you attended the first one, which is, I don't like GitHub or it's not my it's not my space to contribute right so let's get rid yeah. of that let's make sure you understand that it is your place and let's take all the fears out of GitHub and it's pretty funny because anybody that's worked with me in the past that if they if they knew that I'm doing sessions on how to use GitHub they would be killing themselves laughing because I used to be the anti GitHub person before
0: I, I I get that I'm I'm not a I, I will admit I am not a huge GitHub fan I've I've installed it a couple of times and then promptly gone this is just gosh awful compared to <laughs> what I was used to in the past right I mean I'll tell you I, I still I still pine for Visual Source Safe to be honest with you that, that's my that was my tool of choice but uh, um, but but you know it, it's interesting so I I did go to that first session uh, and you guys taught us how to go out there and actually edit. a a document, how to make corrections to it, how to then submit a pull request, which is the fancy way of saying, I'm now submitting this up to some reviewers to make sure that it meets the criteria and they can approve it and then then make that become official documentation at that point in time. And I think I even told you guys, the very next day I'm out on Microsoft site and I see something and I'm like, hey, this isn't right, I'm gonna go fix this. And it was really simple, it was the ordering of a list that was inconsistent in a very long page and talking about security and compliance roles and responsibilities. They put DLP ahead of uh, device management in one place and then flipped it elsewhere. And so I looked up, hey, what, what's, how should this be alphabetized? And then fixed the article to where it was consistent alphab- alphab- alphabetization or whatever that word is. I don't know what that word is. Um, I don't know, what what would alphabetize, alphabetize, whatever. In the right order.
2: In the right order. Sorted correctly.
0: (laughs) Sorted correctly. There we go. If I don't know the word, we're just going to toss that aside and use something different. (laughs) So, you know, I went out and did that. um, And I was, you know, it's hilarious because I've been out to Microsoft Docs many, many times. And you can see at the bottom, there's a comments area, which I almost never comment on, because I figure if I comment down there, no one's ever going to see it or do anything about it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I had never, and I had seen up at the top where it had little pictures of people that it said contributors, and I never really thought about who those people were. And when you guys showed me, hey, there's an edit button on here, and you can simply click that edit button, and suddenly you're editing this page that was absolutely amazing i mean to talk about a mind blowing experience uh, now every time i go out to docs.microsoft.com i am looking for things <laughs> could, can i make this better can this be tightened <laughs> up can can we can we improve this because i now feel that i have some ownership mm-hmm. of this of this documentation right and that's the real beauty of this concept of turning this into an into an open um, and Well, I'll use the term open source. Yes. So I'm going to throw a question at you guys here, okay? And this is something that I think a lot of organizations really think about and I think about as well. So back in the day, you know, open source was kind of a dirty word in the Microsoft realm, right? People said, you know, we don't do open source, we pay for our software, right? But now Microsoft has really embraced this concept of open source. So if, as I work at Catapult, you know why would Catapult want to let me go out and spend my time, either fixing documentation or contributing code samples or adding to this community? What's what's in it for my employer in this process? Hugo, why don't you answer this one?
2: Well, I think uh, the evidence uh, speaks for itself. If you look at pretty much over the last year. Uh, all the community calls, uh, the PMP uh, community calls, uh, either the SharePoint one or general one or the monthly ones, uh, they often have uh, sections where they thank uh, contributors and then they thank companies for contributing. Pretty much over the last, I would say, more than a year, you've seen uh, the Catapult logo on. Uh, on the presentations, recognized as one of the companies that is that is contributing to to the community, and that's because people like you and David have been you know creating some cool samples, doing cool uh, demos and, and things like that. Uh, so it's it's one good way to uh, you know to, to be recognized in the community as a company that is making a difference, but it also helps establish that your people actually know what they're talking about. Right, mm-hmm. so yes, you know, should we hire David uh, to work on our project? Uh, I don't know if he knows his stuff, <laughs> but you know, he's always talking about SharePoint. He his name is always mentioned in all the SharePoint calls, so maybe he knows something, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's that's one of the great values is to be able to to illustrate that.
3: Hmm. Yeah, and and I'll add to that because the the companies do get recognition, so that's great. And and in this day and age of accelerated innovation by Microsoft. Uh, companies want to know that who they're working with or who they're hiring is keeping up to date with the latest and greatest. Mm-hmm. And that's a challenge for everyone. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's a challenge for all of us on this call because we're yep. single people, but together we're able to help one another. And that's what makes this such a fantastic global community. I think you also get people out there criticizing and saying, well, you know, it's it's really Microsoft's responsibility to, to do all of this. It, it you know, Really, it's not the community's responsibility. It's Microsoft's responsibility to upgrade the code and make sure the documentation is in order. Truth be told, Microsoft has limited resources, too. They're not a, you know, an endless pit of money or resources. And so if we were to take that approach and just stay hands off, there's going to be a limit. There's going to be a bottleneck of how much they can improve upon within a set period of time. But if we all take ownership, as you have said, Dave, I, you have ownership now, you have invested mm-hmm. interest, uh, then we see that acceleration of innovation occur faster. And it helps everyone in in the community. Um, and so I think when companies let their people work on, or their developers or employees work on these open source initiatives, it does a number of things. One, it helps recognize the company, as Hugo had mentioned. Two, it actually gives a little icing uh, cherry on top for the employee because they get, like you said, their name is now associated to some of these controls or documents or samples, and they're getting recognized for it. Yeah. And everybody loves to be recognized for the work that they put in. Um, and additionally, it's now a better way for them to keep up to date. So now they're working with yeah. not just their own team, but your your team within an organization has now expanded to this global team all over the world that you're making contacts at. And you know what? Um, I think Tracy Vandershift says said this. We were just talking because we we're doing a reactor together later this month. But she said, "I don't always know everything, but I or maybe this is you, Hugo, says this. I've been talking to a lot of you guys lately, uh, <laughs> I don't know everything, but I know someone who knows it." Mm-hmm. Yep, right. Uh, and and that's really what the community is 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 it connects us in a way, and so. Yeah, organizations definitely benefit by it because if you leave someone on their own to go keep up with new technology, just say it's your responsibility to keep up, mm-hmm. we're definitely easy on ourselves. We'll, we'll pretty- dismiss it easily. Yeah. But if yeah. we're indebted to a peer or a, a community member, we're going to go that extra effort. Hugo?
2: Yeah. That's true. I, b- I believe my quote was, I don't know anything, but I know someone that I can take the credit for knowing. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh,
0: the other way I was thinking of it is um, I think it was at um, SPC in Anaheim in, in 2011 that um, the keynote speaker and I think it was I think it was uh, deeper at the time. Jeff deeper got up there and said, you know, and, and now I'm going to collaborate on this task. And at Microsoft, we say that collaboration is getting somebody else to do your work for you, right? <laughs> uh, which, you know, and, and the funny thing is, you know, David, you, you brought this up. And I think this is actually a really interesting thing to say. Um, you know, if Microsoft has to invest time and effort into hiring people to write this documentation, to create these samples, and I I was involved at one point in time in helping to write some things many years ago, uh, back for uh, Moss 2007, uh, doing a um, doing a, a, an, exa, an exam for it, uh, one of the certain exams, and also helping to write some of the documentation around it on a, on a contract gig for them. Well, that's that's time and money that Microsoft isn't spending rolling out the next great thing inside of Microsoft 365 or inside of anything that they're doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think I think it really I, I, I would say Satya has been such an incredible breath of fresh air at Microsoft and has so transformed that organization. Um, and, and what they're doing now is is really is really pretty cool. So yeah, absolutely well and, yeah. and that
3: thought of, well, is it Microsoft's responsibility or uh, my responsibility or, you know, the way I look to like to look at it is it's an opportunity, right? It's not anyone's responsibility. It's all of our responsibility. It's all of our opportunity to make it better. And it goes back to the whole same concept around open source where people say, well, wait a second, you want me to go spend my own hard time building, you know, my, my hard work, put in hard work on my time building this sample or control maybe it's Mm -hmm. 20 hours maybe it's 40 hours and then you want me to just give it away for free no no this this is going in my vault and it's Mm -hmm. what's going to make me unique and that's what people are going to hire me for is all my cool tools and toys right yeah but that that has changed so much now because yes we can all do that in our own little silos and at the end of the day let's say for example we're building skateboards at the end of the day we're all going to have a skateboard because we're going to silo it and they mm-hmm. may look a little different. They may function a little different, but it's still going to be limited to nothing more than a skateboard. But when we work together and uh, we start looking at improving on every aspect that skateboard eventually becomes a rocket ship in a lot faster, more condensed time. And so Absolutely. I think that we're, yeah, we're seeing that, that, that kind of collaboration occurs where we're willing to open up and let others in to what we have started. And and it, It doesn't need to be. Some may feel territorial around it, like, "Well, that's mine," and uh, they may feel like, "Well, I I didn't come up with the idea to improve it," so they may feel bad. But we're we're imperfect, right? So we're we're never going to think of every aspect, but together we can think of a, a lot more improvements together than we would alone. And I think on the fear side of it, where, well, why would someone still pay me if I give them the code and I give them the the solutions? And and the truth is, is that because it's the same reason that people will pay Hugo as a former chef $100 to go cook a steak dinner, even if he gave them the recipe and the ingredients and the instructions on how to do it themselves. They like the experience, they don't have the time, they know they're not going to get it as good as Hugo is going to uh, uh, prepare it for them, mm-hmm. right? And so even though they're given all those instructions, they're still gonna pay someone. And I feel it's the same in technology. We can give them the code, we can give them the instructions, we can give them documentation. And at the end of the day, they're still gonna turn back to us and say, very cool can you can we pay you to go ahead and do that for us right there's no real fear that we should be had about giving away a secret
2: sauce well i but, have a real life example actually uh, that happened mm-hmm. today um a while ago i was talking to someone at microsoft and uh, they were saying hey do you know if there's a way to integrate um adaptive cards inside of sharepoint you know i'm like uh, no but it, w- it would be pretty easy right then they're like, oh, okay. Well, it would be nice because one of the cust one of my customers would like to do this. So I'm like, okay, you know, good to know. So I went home, and it was kind of bugging me. I was like, oh, it sounds like it would be so easy to do. So I put together a adaptive card web part, um, and I built it. I, I launched it on uh, on the um, the app store, or oh, not the app store. Sorry, the sample store. And uh, really quickly, Paul Schaflin actually took my sample and he said, hey, this is a good sample, but it'd be really cool if uh, you could do it using adapt, uh, React hooks instead of uh, React classes. And I'm like, I'd love to, but I actually don't know uh, React hooks. Uh, so he took probably a couple hours where he took my sample and he converted it to React hooks. And uh, mm-hmm. so he, of course, he asked me if it was okay and everything, but he, he took my sample converted to React Hooks. So now I'm able to look at the before and after of a sample that I know inside out, uh, and I'm able to compare, okay, this is how I did it, this is how he did it. Okay, great, now I know how to use React Hooks. And I've been mm-hmm. using React Hooks ever since, thanks to him. We demoed uh, that web part, uh, and I've demoed it uh, a few times since. But today uh, I got an email from someone saying, "Hey, you know, would you be willing to help us? Um, I know you have the code, and I've seen the code, but we're trying to do this, and they describe what they're trying to do. Would you be willing to help us?" Now, from uh, coming from an independent consulting perspective, this is great. Right? This is a potential client that I can I can line up a gig, uh, even though it started as something that I did for free. Um, I established myself as someone who understands adaptive cards and so understand mm-hmm. how to do this stuff. And it, it's a great value, I think, for everyone. We all benefited from it.
0: Hmm. That, that, that's a great story. I, I love that because, you know, I, I think the other piece of it is, you know, we're, we're not necessarily being paid for, as David said, you pointed out, this whole concept of I have a library of code. And I used to actually – I usually have a whole library of classic ASP scriptlets that I used to use <laughs> way back in the day, dating myself, right? Um, but but I had a whole bunch of things, and I had another coworker who, at one point in time, he went out and wrote a a CRUD generator for for uh, Visual Studio in C Sharp, and you would point it at a database, and it would build all of your CRUDs, your your, cool. your, your all your all your not just the the uh, the SQL statements, but also the, the the wrappers, right? Because it's really a pattern at that point in time, right? And if you think about it, the whole concept of patterns and practices is what are the patterns and what are the practices that we want to apply to how we're developing software and if you can show that you're good at that if you can contribute and you can consume right and even if it's just consuming but but either way once you're once you're involved in that that makes you more innovative that makes you means you're going to be able to develop things a lot faster so i i will tell you guys one quick story along the same line i was working with a, a company at one point in time and they really wanted to get a, a file that was transferred to them via SSH and then it was encrypted using PGP encryption. Well, there's no native way to decrypt that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But I was able to go out into, into GitHub and find a PG, a, a, a um, uh, an Azure function that was a PGP decryption um, <laughs> module black box. And we were able to solve the problem for the client. And that's a great way of building and solving problems really, really quickly. Um, if if you can't do that, I think it's going to become harder and harder for you to sell yourself. Uh, and and, and uh, David, uh, for our purposes, right, it's going to be harder and harder for our organization. Hugo, you're independent, but if you work for an organization, it's going to be harder and harder for you to sell your organization's capabilities if you're having to reinvent the wheel every time, as opposed yeah. to yeah.
3: Reinvent the wheel or compete with those who are already leveraging the tools that are available that allow them to deliver faster and more efficiently because of that.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, ultimately it's making it easier for everyone to innovate, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and, uh, people will remember the innovators, the people who kind of improved things and made things better, not the people that just did exactly the same thing over and over again. And that's, that's what we're, we're trying to do here is instead of you having to create, I don't know, a, uh, you know, web part title on your web part, why don't we create a control in the reusable uh, PMP reusable controls that allows you to create an editable title for your web part? So you don't have to worry about this and you can focus on the next cool thing. Mm. And, you know, hopefully uh, you save so much time that you have time to create new controls for us.
0: that's a great way of doing it so let me ask you gentlemen um how do you get involved what what where where can you go what's the website um you know when do you have these sessions how can i find out more
2: yeah
3: so uh getting involved from the sharing is caring perspective you would go to aka.ms forward slash sharing dash is dash caring i'm sure Dave will include this in the the blog post and all that Um, Mm -hmm. The primary landing page for patterns of practices, though, uh, is a little simpler, aka.ms forward slash M365 PNP. Now that will take you to our our fairly newish primary landing page, which will provide you access to all the projects and the initiatives as well as the sharing is caring program, uh, the other tools and resources, the sample galleries, etc. So it really kind of is your one stop shop for all things Microsoft 365 patterns and practices. Okay. Um, as far as, as where you would wanna start reaching out, sharing is caring is great because it kind of gives you that open awareness, right? As, as you had said, David, it opened your eyes to holy cow, I've been on this docs.microsoft.com site over and over my entire career. Never once did I think about, hey, I could make a change here, whether it's a spelling correction, casing correction, or overall enhancements of the document itself. And so it opens your eyes um, and then it starts giving you access and ideas well if i can do that there what else can i do where and that's where the additional sessions come in
0: okay well, well thank you guys very very much i really appreciate your your time coming on the, the podcast like this we, we really appreciate it and, and hugo yeah you know, i didn't realize that you cooked steak dinners like that um <laughs> I, i'm i'm uh, uh my, my wife tells me that she doesn't like to go out to eat steak anymore because she likes the ones that i cook at home so much uh, I've got my own special sauce, special recipe, I should say, of a rub that I put on them when I cook them. So maybe sometime when we'll you get to down create. to Texas, we will have to, uh, we'll have to cook you a steak and you can cook me a steak and and uh, I can. I, 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 I like any kind of steak, I and mean, if you take a look at me, uh, you can tell I, I like eating. So <laughs> it's, I am I am not a person. I I, I'm, I am actually not a gourmet. I am much more of the gourmand. I'm just like because just give, give me give me all the food, and I'll be very very happy. So thank you guys very very much. I really appreciate you guys coming on. Awesome.
3: Thanks for having us,
0: guys. That- well, Brian, that was an amazing experience talking to those guys. But it is time once again for one last thing. So Brian, what is thing. our what is our one last thing one. going to be today? I threw out three topics to you beforehand,
1: right? Yeah, the the one last one last thing that I always forget, you know, the, the oh, one last thing yeah, I always, yeah, we, yeah. we always yeah. we always joke about that or whatever. Uh-huh. I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued about to about several things, right? Oh, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued. Number one about the concept of a of a virtual debate.
0: Oh, I was presidential hoping you debate. were going to pick that one because you know my a virtual my, debate. My,
1: my hobby is
0: politics, right? Yep. And uh, we've watched. Uh, and you're my actually wife, really good at it. <laughs> I, uh, you know, it, it's something that I, I I'm passionate about and I enjoy watching. But my wife and I have watched uh, both the first presidential debate and now the yep. vice presidential debate. And, um, you know, uh, that that presidential debate was it was an event. I will admit yeah. that I have never seen something quite like that. Uh, but you know, so now they've, now they've talked about making yeah. it virtual for the second one. Right. And, you know, it kind of got me to thinking about that. And, and I, I'm thinking about it cause it's supposed to be a town hall style. But if you think about it, that really, um, that's not that different than doing a TV remote engagement anyway. So, yeah. you know, in a TV remote engagement, you're in a room standing in front of a backdrop or if you see right. Congress people, they're standing in the Capitol someplace um, and there's just a camera in front of you and you're talking to it and there's a little light that pumps on and you've got an earpiece in so they can tell you when you know when they ask you questions yeah. and you see those pauses. I mean, I don't think it's going to be all that different from, a, from, from doing right. a normal TV
1: kind of thing. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think it's the first and foremost, it's the politics of it, right? I mean, it really well, yeah. is the politics of it. You know, it's uh, it's it's the politics of, hey, you know what? Uh, uh, I, I I'm I, I don't want to wear my mask or whatever. I don't want to do this. You know, it's it's all that sort of thing, right? I mean, and sure. sure that that to me kind of kind of muddies the water a little bit. But what's really interesting is. I agree with you that you know th- this has changed the landscape of everything that we do, right? Mm-hmm. It's just completely changed the landscape of everything we do. I mean, think about the way that the you know the the mail-in ballots and just some of the things that, that you yeah. know have been coming about. You know, I mean, I I it's it's just it's interesting to think about it from that perspective. And if you really truly think about it, when we first started the Cloud Whisperers. Yep. I mean, we always sat in a conference room right across from each yeah, other. Yeah, we did. And we literally had a <laughs> microphone sitting in between us. Yep. And, and you know, we were face to face. And, you know, I, I have to say that I, I, I enjoyed that time. I enjoyed that time of sitting face to face with you and all that. I mean, I think it was different from an energy perspective or whatever, but I think we're also getting used to this concept of being yeah. remote all the time. Yeah. you know, how many of these well, last? It's, it's a little the last harder for us to physically. Episodes, you know, we've yeah, done
0: remotely. It's a little harder for us to get physically together when we don't work for the same company anymore, and also right. when we're you know having to stay stay home all the time because of of COVID. So yeah, right. It, it, I think we can adapt. I think it'd be really cool if they actually ran the meeting in like Microsoft Teams. Right. I mean, it could yeah. be Zoom as well. Right. But my whole point is it would be cool as anything if you had like three little windows that popped up, yeah. you know, the moderator and the two people that are just popping up. And then and then I could just imagine like, you know, Trump and Biden, like changing their backgrounds all the time. Right. You know, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to put in a background of me on the beach. I'm going to put a background on me in the front of the White House. You know, it, yeah. it would, that would just be hilarious to me. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously, technically, it's going to be easy to do it's no different than doing a uh, a remote tv spot but what what you do lose and this is this is and i think this is why there's some pushback on this whole thing you're going to lose some of the energy of being able to play off the other person i mean even with you and i we can see each other because we we video record this thing um even though we're an audio only podcast, but I like yep. the fact that I can point at you, you know, you can see my, my expressions. Cause I talk with my hands. Right. Um, I can see yours and, and and that makes it easier to read that body language off it. Of. By the way, yeah. one of my tips in my effective meetings is use video as often as possible. Right. right. Because video makes it more, more responsive.
1: Well, I love so. it. You know, whenever I I say something, you know, pretty dumb or whatever, and you look at me with this. <laughs> <laughs> kind of glazed over. Look. <laughs> oh, there goes Brian again. <laughs> yeah, there he goes. Oh, All right, We're him back in. You know, it's like the you know the Jim Carrey reeling back in. That's awesome, man. Um, well,
0: I think we have come to the end of yet yeah. another episode, Brian. So now that our 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 podcast is twenty one, our podcast is legal to drink. Uh, we will go forth and and do that. But what you need to do, dear listener, right, is find us on iTunes find us on Spotify, find us yep. on Google play. And of course on SoundCloud, subscribe, leave a review. You know, we, we love to hear from you. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at the cloud Whisperers, and you can even email us at cloud at outlook.com.
1: Yeah. And I really, I really am enjoying having these guests and everything come into the podcast and all that. I mean, it really is making, you know, uh, Stuff a little bit more exciting for people or whatever that are used to just listening to us. So it's so great to have David Warner and, and, uh, and team or whatever. So uh, Hugo. And, Hugo yeah. was his name. See? Hugo.
0: <laughs> Hugo. There you go.
1: <laughs> Hugo. Got it. <laughs> All right. Well, All right, David. Awesome. Bye. Good stuff.